Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Fanwith the Fanbike Podcast. It is episode 10, a nice round two-digit number for the first time in the series of the podcast's history. I am one of your hosts, Steven Strum, still kicking, still alive, still here even 10 years later, 10 long years of podcasts. Uh, with Merritt uh, K, who has also been with me this whole time. Hello, Hello. Merritt. Yeah, I'm, well, you know, you survived GDC. You survived your first GDC, is that right? I did. I did, in fact, survive my first GDC. Yeah, yeah. Wait, was that last week or was that the week before? Time is That was, that was definitely apart. the week before. We definitely did an episode after I got back from GDC. <laughs> we had wow. Andrew on talking about we've Sekiro. All, we've all been through a lot. Um, yeah. Over the last ten episodes, we've all grown and changed, and mm-hmm. uh, forgotten the concept of time. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's um, why we have time. Is to tell us <laughs> what time is. That's what it says. We do. We need a website. I've offloaded all of my faculties into the cloud. I hope it never goes down. Uh huh. Oh no! They took down the. Th- that's Nintendo the e- premise of episode two of the Twilight Zone. Oh, is it? Well, yeah, what if you put all of your memories into the cloud, but then the cloud fails, and then you're like, how do person? Actually, oh, no, no. That's, that's more of a Black Mirror. Let's that is definitely more of a Black Mirror thing, and or a Big O thing. That seems very Big O to me. Big O. Do you not know Big O? You're not much of an anime person, I don't that's think. That's an anime. Yeah, it's an anime. Mm-hmm. It was like an anime from the oh, yes. early 2000s? No, I, I published a piece on it um, back at Verve, I believe. It's like a... Everyone lost their memories, and then there's a guy who's like a Batman, kind of, but there's a mm-hmm. giant robot also. Yeah, it's Batman and a giant robot. Everybody lost their memories, like, 50 years before that, too, so they're like the next generation after the people who lost all their memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically, it, it is very much like somebody in Japan saw Batman the Animated Series and just wanted to make that but anime. Like, oh, even yeah. the art style is extremely Batman the Animated Series. Good. Uh, um, were yeah, you into that cool when show. you were a kid? Yeah, totally. It was uh, it was on the Toonami Midnight Run, I want to say is what it was called, where they would, like, on Saturdays, they would play Toonami, but, like, after hours on at, like, midnight uh, and play, like, the adult shows. And that's not a particularly adult show either. <laughs> I mean, it did scare me a lot. A Toonami or Big O? Oh, no, sorry. I was talking about Batman, and I was very confused that they played Batman, that you watched Batman oh. at midnight. On Toonami. No, Big O, Big O. I also liked okay. Batman the Animated Series a lot. That was a good show. That was great. Yeah, and it did scare me. Really? Yes. There's one episode in particular that really frightened me, and it's the one where the penguin is like, I don't even know. He's maybe just doing like a home invasion. I don't really remember. Is it the one where he's like living in their basement, isn't he? Or like Something or... like that. Yeah. There are these two kids, and basically I think Batman gets like knocked out or like captured, right. and these two kids have to rescue him. And that, as, like, an anxious kid, was just, like, the worst possible scenario of, like, what if you could, like, oh, well, you know, superheroes and stuff aren't real, but, like, but what if you were put in the position of having to rescue a superhero? Like, you're not one, but you could right. be in this position. So wouldn't that be fun? There's there's two things about this. The first one is that I actually remember the name of this episode. It was, uh-huh. I, it was I've got Batman in my basement. Um, yes, hiding him in yes, basement. it was. Uh, mm-hmm. And this, the second thing, too, is, like, actually, there's a part of this that does actually, like, kind of resonate with me, like, being afraid of this particular episode, because there's something about the Penguin that is, like, he's not Clayface, he doesn't have superpowers, he's just a really fucked up, like, 
uh, criminal that just shoots people. Like, there's an element of, like, realism to him and putting children in peril around him that definitely, I could see that being upsetting. Yes. And also he has, like, um, I I feel like he has some kind of, like, weird umbrella nerve gas. Uh, And, um... uh, mm -hmm. That's very upsetting. I'm looking at the episode description for it right now because I wanted to double check that I got the name right. And it does say in the uh, Google little icon thing here, it pulls up on the side. A little boy rescues Batman and keeps him in his basement after Penguin sprays Batman with nerve gas. There were there was a lot of nerve gas in cartoons, if I remember correctly. And yeah. I, I wasn't really sure what it was at the time, but was just terrified. I also somehow, when I was a kid, um, I don't... I must have been like reading an, an encyclopedia or something like mm-hmm. maybe looking at my, you know, we used to have encyclopedia, um, what, Encarta, Encarta 95 on our, uh, on CD. And, uh, I think I must've read about Georgie Markov at some point. Okay. Um, Who's who Georgie Markov? He okay. was a, a novelist and then he became like a journalist, um, during the cold war. And, uh, just like was criticizing the Bulgarian regime at the time. And at one point, and, or eventually he was assassinated in London um, by the Bulgarian Secret Service, possibly with the help of the KGB. And he was killed by someone with an umbrella. Oh. Had, it fired a ricin pellet mm-hmm. um, into his leg. And when I read about that, I was like, that's fucking terrifying anyone could be walking around with an umbrella with poison in it and like anyone could do that to you and i was like of course didn't make the connection that like well you're not a dissident of like a you know powerful political regime but um but still you know that i definitely remember hearing about this exact thing i didn't remember the name georgie markov but i definitely had a book that was just like hey kids here's just like a list of all real world spy gadgets and stuff that like weird spies and assassins have used throughout history and like schematics of them and stuff like that And i definitely had that and i read through that uh, uh as a child a bit and i do remember the uh, umbrella gun that shot like the yeah it was like a, like a musket ball covered in in poison right God. yeah yeah they tried to do it um to someone else as well but like didn't work wow huh didn't work the second time no it didn't work um oh, okay it was it was a failed attempt i i don't really know okay. what uh what that was all about but um yeah no it um was very frightening so like the, the penguin basically has that and i was just like oh my god yeah i mean he was scarier because he's like just some creepy horrible dude yeah um with poisons he, and with, like with, with, guns yeah, yeah. that mm, the batman the animated series is just like kind of a creepy show like the, the way that they draw people in the on that show they're they're definitely taking like cues from tim burton era stuff of like but yeah. like mm-hmm. very specifically taking cues from the thing like the shots of people being like poisoned to death with like rictus grins <laughs> uh yes. from that movie yep. like mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and then like putting that on cartoons and probably like for the first time in like the west maybe like the first time that you we had ever seen something like that and i'm sure that existed in other stuff before then but like for our generation that was probably pretty oh, yeah. new. no yeah. absolutely that was i think um I think it's widely recognized as just like one of the most formative cartoons in that kind of canon. Right. Because it was, it was just really, it wasn't just like, you know, because there were the old justice league cartoons and stuff and they were just like really goofy. Super Um, friends. 
Yeah, form of ice bucket, like, uh, <laughs> like right. Okay. The Wonder Twins. Who could forget? The Wonder Twins. Whom's yes. among us? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, this one was just like, what if we did it like the movie? And um, the answer was, it's very good, but also very frightening for a child. Right. <laughs> Maybe very, not all yeah. kids, but I think I took TV too seriously when I was a kid. Yeah, I mean, I, that's being a kid, right? Like you just that's the stuff you see in front of you and so you just like don't you haven't quite developed that like ability to uh, separate fact from uh, fiction at that point right like yeah you know? no. i remember being terrified of the movie armageddon as a kid because, oh my like, god that's yeah. horrifying yeah right like just yeah. being a being a child in like 1995 or whenever that movie came out and like the concept of just like oh here, hey a big thing might just wipe wipe you out that like nobody can stop like just a thing that could just destroy the earth and there's nothing to to do about it <laughs> It's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, oh my so what God. games have you been playing, Merritt? <laughs> <laughs> God, no. That, yeah. Uh-huh. I, I, I was afraid of a lot of stuff as a kid, and that yeah. was definitely one of them. I saw Twister way too young. It scarred oh, me yeah. permanently. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, Bill also, Paxton I, is very scary. Oh, God. Too soon. Um, oh, yeah, gone, he's gone. Gone too he? soon. Yeah. Um, he was great but uh what was i gonna say oh yeah i somehow became aware of like a conspiracy theory in the 90s um called the jupiter effect oh that was uh uh it was like the the planets are going to align um and then it'll be like the end of the world or something Mm -hmm. um i think actually it was like published in the 80s but then somehow i started hearing about it in the 90s and people were talking about it like in the, that it was going to happen in the year 2000 because there's also the y2k panic right right um so like i feel like i grew up in like i don't know i think people kids who grew up in the 90s like were growing up in this kind of like pre-apocalyptic sentiment of like holy shit holy shit like two, the year 2000 something is going to happen obviously nothing did um right. but uh, the new millennium definitely was like a, it was a spooky time, right? They made movies about it. They made uh, Apocalypse with Bruce or no, not Bruce Willis. What's his name? The other guy, the other That's action Armageddon. man. Yeah, that is a different. <laughs> that is a different movie starring <laughs> a different action man about people uh, with with the name meaning the end of the world. Uh, no, End of Days. I'm thinking of End of Days with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think that's what that movie's called. Oh, is that about the year 2000? I want to say it's like the Antichrist is supposed to come back in the year 2000 and destroy the world yes. or something. Satan yeah. possesses an investment banker. Okay. And then... <laughs> and then he continues to operate as an investment banker. <laughs> yeah, nothing changes to the end of uh-huh. the world. The rest of the movie God. is just a is just a office room drama. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <sighs> um yeah anyway yeah um, i'm glad today kids have cartoons that aren't either just like meaningless pap or um very upsetting <laughs> cartoons are good as hell right now actually like that's uh, what, honest, I, that's what they tell me i was gonna say i was gonna ask you do you watch a lot of cartoons now i don't um the what was the last one i used to watch rick and morty i will okay. say that i was sure. a rick and morty fan um i was introduced to it by someone who just would like liked it normally and then like I like a normal first, person like things. a normal person and i watched uh-huh. the first two seasons and i was like oh I, I like this um sure and then season three came out and i was just like what has this become um and 
I don't know. Like there is uh, Bob's Burgers is. Uh, oh sure. Yeah. I I kind of fell off it, but I was really into it. As far as like, um, like cartoon cartoons in terms of like kids cartoons or like um stuff that airs on on Toonami and stuff like that, I'm aware of a lot of them and I've seen like a little bit, but I don't um. I haven't like sat down and watched all of them, but I'm aware, gotcha. you know, of your, of your Steven's universe. Oh, mm-hmm. I watched all of it. Mostly all of adventure time. I think I missed a season oh. or two, but I did watch the finale. Um, and it was very emotional. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, yeah, no, I, I'm aware if you like show me that cat that, um, his name is like a uh, gumball. Gumball. Yeah. yeah. The amazing know, world of gumball is actually, that's a pretty fucking funny show. <laughs> that's I a have really seen good bits show. of it and I was pretty entertained by it. Um, it also seems to be like one of those shows that like just mixes with the, the medium and style a lot. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Which like, I always loved. Although that's also very scary sometimes. I think they're aware of it at least on yeah. that show. Yeah. Did you, did you ever watch Courage the Cowardly Dog? I watched so much Courage the Cowardly Dog as a kid. That was like right in my wheelhouse at the exact right age. Okay. So you will remember, uh, the, uh, the episode with, um, where, the the guy like steals some artifact or something. Right. Return the slab. <laughs> Return the slab. <laughs> uh huh. So upsetting. Um, uh huh. And then there uh, was also um, there was a claymation part in one of them. Yeah, that's the episode where Muriel, the old woman. Uh, so full disclosure, I actually read the article that you posted on Verve about Courage the Cowardly okay. Dog and yes. loved it. Uh, yes, that was um. Uh, um like last year yeah yeah uh and so i'm uh, my memory is a little bit even though i watched a lot of that show so i could just tell you off the dome a lot about courageous cowardly talk but also <laughs> the the a lot of the most uh, specifically fucked up stuff that gets mentioned in that article is also very fresh in my mind right now because i watched went back and watched a bunch of clips from those episodes when i read that article that you posted Mm-hmm. Uh, the claymation episode was definitely the episode where it's like i think it's a talking cockroach is like threatening to kill Mer- uh uh muriel uh courage's yes. owner unless he delivers a package mm-hmm. and he's going up and down like floors of a uh, apartment building and like each one he opens is like more ridiculous than the last until he gets to one where it's like a little girl sitting on a bench and then she turns around and her face is like large marge from peewee's big adventure mm-hmm. which also also very bad um <laughs> claymation is just like i Wallace and Gromit is like one of the few claymation things that isn't so upsetting. And I think yeah. it's because they, they're really committed to actually just like maintaining the like physical integrity of objects in the universe. Like things are what's scary about claymation, I think is the way that the boundaries between objects and people and things is porous. Yeah. Um, so like large Marge or like anything else where anything where it's morphing is really frightening. Um, right. But Wallace and Gromit are, you know, it's all, everything's rounded. Things interact like normal physics and stuff. So it's like, that's okay. But like right. when you start morphing claymation and like making faces do different things like that Adventures of Mark Twain. Right. One. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> no, thank you. Uh, there was a, uh, I don't know if you listened to Austin Walker uh, and yeah, it's not just him, I, but I, the Austin Walker's podcast, uh, uh, the uh, Our Friends at the Table. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a kind of a side story game if you're like a Patreon member called like Bluff City, which is like this kind of weird um, multi-genre thing set in like a fictional um, Atlantic City. Um, and they did a superhero arc very recently where the main villain was just described as a man with claymation for a head. 
and it was no. like the most upsetting thing I had ever heard in my life. <laughs> That's horrible. Uh huh. Uh, Austin knows how to do some some dirty stuff sometimes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Claymation is, yeah, yeah. I, I I like the Wallace and Gromit comparison because like you're like Wallace and Gromit is like that's kind of the whole thing, right? Is that he is an inventor that has a bunch of like wacky things that all have to be connected in a way mm-hmm. that makes them look like he built them. Yeah, uh, it's, not, it's yeah. not a lot of fantastical. Oh, it's fantastical, but it's not like fantasy. Uh, right, really. it's fantastical in a way that could be done with actors. Right, as opposed to just like your flesh is like, as opposed to some fucking Cronenbergian mm-hmm. ass, like your flesh is dissolving and turning mm-hmm. into the chair. Right. Yep. Uh huh. Uh. Yeah. So, <laughs> why did we talk With, about this? On that cartoons. Note, yeah. Uh, cartoons are good. Uh, talked about Batman. Uh, I think we're talking like I. Well, I don't know. I uh, cartoons are good. Like I like I. We've talked. We've Steven your Steven's universe have have come up a couple times on the show. I don't think we've really mm-hmm. talked about it at all. I, I'm a big big fan of that show though. Actually, uh, it but ended just, uh, late last year, didn't it? So it was the season finale, and it was the original Rebecca Sugar the creator of the series that was her original planned ending but they have one more season that the cartoon network wants them to do but that that season finale is like so final like it's very (laughs) strange like every like plot point and every villain gets wrapped up oh and they have a movie coming out too there's a movie and then then the final series yeah damn Um, mm -hmm. so is this like a toriyama wanted to end it after frieza but then they made him keep going kind of i don't well, I could because well, I don't think so exactly because it's only one season and one movie as far as I know. So okay. I think the the comparison I've heard a lot of people making actually is that they expect like a, a Naruto Shippuden moment where there's going to be a time jump and we're going to see like what everybody's been like, you know, 6 years from now or something like that right, when they're like right. well, a little bit older. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's like <sighs> The Steven Universe fandom can be incredibly aggressive and bad in many corners and stuff like that. But also, it is very fun sometimes to look up their fan theories on different things. Because mm-hmm. that show is incredibly, incredibly good at um, foreshadowing stuff very, uh, uh, very subtly over time. Um, so, like, oh, this random joke that somebody made in episode three, back when the show was basically just all Monster of the Week stuff, actually thematically ties into the like the very final episode and stuff like that so people are like there's all kinds of theories right now yeah it's it's actually really good about that sort of stuff like all it turns out all the the, like super silly slice of lifey episodes are actually kind of like have all the hints to like what was going to happen next um yeah it's it's an interesting show but uh, but because of that lots of people have lots of fan theories based on different things and so there's a lot of theories about how the movie is going to introduce a new villain because kind of the whole thing with steven universe is it's it's very they they're very they wear their influences on their sleeve as well where it's like there is literally fusion dancing in that show and there's like you know at one point yes. like there's, there's like a vegeta yes, doll yeah so there's like lots of uh dragon ball references and whatnot and very dragon ball e in a very dragon ball e fashion almost every single villain on that show ends up being redeemed in some way they mm-hmm, end up like mm-hmm. making them a good guy eventually <clears throat> now have we talked about this have we talked about that in dragon ball about how every villain becomes a good guy? Yeah. I don't... Not on this podcast. I don't think you and I no. have ever talked about it, no. Isn't it kind of fucked up that, like, Vegeta just, like, gets a pass for having murdered, yeah. like, probably millions or billions of people? Mm-hmm. Like, how many planets has he blown up? 
I don't know if we know how many planets he's destroyed, but there is that scene when they get back to Earth after Namek for the first time, where he very specific, where they like, hey, we wish back everybody that ki- Frieza killed, and then they're like, hey, how come there's like 47 people didn't get revived, and Vegeta's like, oh, I killed them. Don't worry about it. They're not coming back because Frieza didn't kill him. <laughs> what? You, you bunch of dumb motherfuckers. <laughs> like, well, he's like gloating about how they they w- wasted a wish not resurrecting everybody because he murdered them. Like the Ginyu Force and stuff? <laughs> no, like Namekians. He like kills like a whole village of Namekians during the, oh, the Frieza saga yeah, near the when very he's beginning. Looking for those ball- when he's looking for mm-hmm. those dragon balls. Mm-hmm. And uh, Wow. And then, yeah, they're just like, he just hangs around long enough that they're like, yeah, yeah, okay. you could, yeah, you could date my best friend Vegeta. It's cool. Like, Goku's very okay with everything. Apparently. Yeah, you're fine. I mean, Goku is just like, yeah. I mean, he's a dumbass. But you think some, you think Krillin or someone would be like, hey, so are we gonna talk about this? No. Okay. I think the, I think the problem with that oh, a lot of the time, and it's maybe kind of one of the unspoken rules of that universe, is that anybody who knows better uh, can't do shit about it. <laughs> yeah no it's true like Krillin Yamcha's probably just like, knows uh guys do we really yeah. uh want to trust Vegeta and they're like you're just saying that because you want to marry Bulma or something and he's like right uh no he's a mass murderer but okay but, but, also, but also fuck Yamcha too like fuck you know. Yamcha yeah he fuck stepped Yamcha. on Bulma he stepped out on Bulma that's why Bulma uh, breaks up with him in DBZ is because he's like cheating on her but he becomes a professional baseball player. He, he does do that, yeah. God, it's so weird. It's got to be weird to be like Yamcha or like Krillin or Tien because you are the strongest human in uh-huh. the entire world. Uh-huh. And your importance on a cosmic scale is like completely nil. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. could you could probably, you could kill, like you could fight armies and win and it doesn't matter at all. Well, they they even address that in the series. It's like during the Majin Buu stuff. I so I just got done listening to a lengthy podcast of people rewatching Dragon Ball. So a lot of this uh-huh. stuff is also very fresh in my oh, mind. Oh, good. It's been a long time since I've actually seen it, but a lot okay. of it is burned into my brain. So right, it's one of those things where even if you hadn't watched it, you would probably just know like seventy five percent of that show just by osmosis of people mm-hmm. memeing it forever. Mm-hmm. But uh, there, I think it's, like, during the world tournament arc or whatever, like, Krillin is, like, afraid during, like, uh, uh, that he's not going to be able to, like, rise to the ranks of the world tournament. And I think Android 18 reminds him, like, you're literally the strongest human being on the face of the earth. <laughs> like, and he's like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> God. Oh, yeah. And then there's, I think maybe it's the same tournament where 18 has to fight Mr. Satan. Uh-huh. And uh, she's, like, basically throws the match to like she basically extorts yep. money out of him yep uh and it's just like look i'll fake this match if you give me like a fuck ton of money yeah Otherwise, give me double I'm... give me double the prize pool and yeah. uh you can win <laughs> you right, can save yeah. face god, god yeah mm-hmm. <sighs> uh they, they circle back i don't know if you, have you watched super ever i only watched the first few episodes and then i'm aware of some of the plot just because i played xenoverse and like sure i've read up on a lot of it but i haven't really watched it they they circle back on a lot of that stuff later on too uh, about like there's a whole arc about like uh where krillin and goku back go back to train with master roshi and like uh krillin they kind of like explain that like a lot of dragon ball super is just basically like super duper self-aware dragon ball it's like dragon mm-hmm. ball for people who watched dragon ball when they were kids and are now adults it's it yeah. like knows exactly what it is so it's like 
addressing a lot of the me- the things that became memes and over time and stuff like that. Like Piccolo is just straight up a dad in that show. Like he's just uh-huh. he's always, he's babysitting Pan all the time. And there's like mm-hmm. a part where where Gohan comes back to take care of Pan and. and uh, Piccolo is just like, remember to read her stories at bedtime. Like, it has to be, she needs three stories, and like, uh, uh, she needs her milk to be at this temperature and stuff. Like, like, he's explaining how to take care of children to the father of the child. Oh my god. Um, and in, like, very late in the series, there's a whole thing about, like, how Krillin, where they talk about how, uh, where Krillin is like, yeah, you know what, like, I am still one of the strongest human beings on Earth. I could just become, like, a, a cop and not even have to use guns ever and just be able to, like, protect people in a different way or whatever, which, you know, it's it's anime, so I guess, you know, anime cop, maybe that's how that works. Um, but but then they but then they circle back on that even further and or like establish that, like, no, the, re- the reason you never got as strong as everybody else was because, like, you, were, you had such an inferiority complex next to, like, literal gods and aliens. But if you just, like, get over your, your like, post-traumatic stress disorder over getting killed and your uh, fear of inadequacy because your best friend is, like, a god of a god, then you could be strong, too. And then he becomes strong. He, he taps into his uh, self-confidence and huh. becomes strong. Except, except the law of Dragon Ball is that, like, if you're not a Saiyan, then you're basically fucked. Um, right yeah because after i mean unless you're a villain unless you're that boring ass villain from like the end of super (sighs) he just i don't even know what his deal is he just looks really boring Um, he's so boring his design is boring his motivations are boring his personality is boring i hate jared so much i so (laughs) uh, i don't mean to, to to sidetrack you i just Needed needed to be said that like the fact that like that I love Super, but the fact that it ends with them fighting Jiren is so disappointing because he's just like the worst villain in all, or not even he's not even really a villain. Like he's the worst antagonist in all of Dragon Ball. He's the I hate him so much. Sorry. He seems really boring. He seems like uh, who's that filler guy? Um, <laughs> the, who's that filler guy in Dragon Ball? <laughs> you know from the famously <laughs> small number of filler episodes there are in Dragon Ball. Oh, the uh, lady the, who pulls out a gun and plays Russian roulette with Goku, you mean? Yeah, oh, okay, <laughs> of course. The guy who is, like, kind of a bizarro piccolo, he has, like, a tall hat and he shoots fire. Uh, boy, I have no idea. I honestly don't um, know. Goku, opponent, tournament. Is that, a, is that one of the, one of the movies, maybe? That feels like no, a movie thing. No, 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 no. It's a filler thing. Um, it, oh, Pecan. Pecan. Oh, I don't remember Pecan or at Pycon. All. I forget. He's probably like, Pecan because um, it's all food, right? Yeah, yeah. Pecan. Um, he's like a. He looks kind of like Piccolo, except his hat is like really tall. Um, that sounds like an Akira Toriyama character, but he <laughs> basically is Piccolo. Um, he was in a movie, but he was just like introduced in filler episodes. He's just oh! like a, a bizarro Piccolo. Yeah, this guy is from the isn't. He f- okay, yeah, this is... God, when does this happen? This is, like, after they beat Cell and Goku goes to uh, goes to heaven or whatever. He fight- This is one of the guys he fights in heaven, I think. Yeah, he's from, like, uh, another uh, part of the universe, I think. I, I, will, I will say this. I really... Even as a kid, I really checked out during the, like, post... Like, like basically oh, anything post-Cell saga. It's boring as hell. Yeah. No, uh, it's not uh, a huge Cell- Watch and Boo fan. The Android Saga IMO is, like, it should have just, like, yeah, Majin Buu is just, like, really messed up and, like, Speaking of body horror and claymation. Yeah. Oh, my God. When Buu just, like, walks around (laughs) eating people. Um, No, I don't know. The Android Saga for me was just, like, 
that's when Dragon Ball got like really like dark and fucked up in a way that mm-hmm. like as a teen I was extremely into mm-hmm. um because there's like time travel and like Goku's sick and like it's, it's Terminator of, it's so it's good. Terminator it's Terminator and like it has it's compelling in the way of being like I don't know I feel like every season basically has to be like uh Goku isn't there for some reason and like they need to hold mm-hmm. out until he can get there oh but, yeah. like the android one is like it feels especially good because you get other characters actually being able to like shine and not just like running away. Like when Vegeta shows up and rips the arms off of uh, right Android. I want to say twenty one. Um, uh, twenty one is the is the lady scientist from the video game. I think okay, about, like, no, being not nineteen that or twenty. Uh, yeah, the the clown one. Yeah, I um, think that's mm, when it like starts 19. draining his energy, like it did to a bunch of other ones, and he just like rips its arms off. Uh huh. And, and he's st- like, "Hey, guess what? I'm a Super Saiyan now." And blows his head off, and then like steps on his head, crushes his yep. head to, to mm-hmm. finally kill him. And yeah, then uh-huh. yeah, and uh, and Doctor Juro is just like, "Um, what? <laughs> like, peace oh, out. No, our <laughs> timeline has been fucked up. Uh, uh-huh. We didn't anticipate any of this. Ah, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. I gotta go." Gotta go um, wake up the Jesse and James from Team Rocket real quick. Fuck, they're so good. I love 18 and 17 so 17 much. 17 dessert better. Uh, he, he comes, comes back, back in, Super. in Super, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. Uh, and has a, it plays a big role at the at the very end of Super, for sure. Oh, cool. There's that whole weird GT thing where he, like, the hell version oh, of him. Oh, right. Fused with him. We just, we pretend GT didn't happen on this I mean, show. it's not canon anymore, so. It's not canon. Vegeta has never had a mustache. That that's is not the, canon. That's the one part that is canon, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's canon to me. <laughs> God. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, oh, man. One thing I don't like about Super, because actually one of the things I did, well, speaking of characters that are just really good and that they introduced later on in the series, I really like Videl as well. Mm-hmm. Like, just just like a character that just um, sees through all the bullshit of all these characters and whatnot. And it's just like, what the fuck are you all doing? And then also just learns how to fly, like le- learns all the stuff that like Krillin and Yamcha learned like 30 years ago. That took them like 30 years and she does it in like 20 minutes. And like, yep. yeah, this is like cool, I guess. But then super like makes her like just, and super's only like a year after all that stuff goes on. But then she just becomes like this kind of like background mom. In, in no. Super. Yeah, she's really, really boring in she Super, and I hate it. great Saiyan too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, her character in uh, in uh, Dragon Ball Fighters uh, summons great Saiyan as, like, an attack, which is pretty good. Nice. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. God. <sighs> Should we talk um, about something that isn't Dragon Ball? <laughs> no. No, <laughs> this is it. What else this needs is, to be said, really? rebranding as yeah. just the Dragon Ball podcast. We're the anime um, show now. I mean, in terms of, like, things that I've been playing lately, it's just Destiny, baby. Like, yeah. that's it. Yeah. I mean, like, I haven't been playing any other new releases. I, <laughs> in the past week, I did two exotic quests, and, God, they took so long. <laughs> they took so long. Oh, my God. Um, but... I got two really good guns and I felt a momentary sense of accomplishment. Um, and uh, that that's worth something, you know? I got yeah. Thorn. I got Thorn, which is very good. Spooky. Um, Poisons it's, people. It's an illegal gun. Yeah, it's a weapon of sorrow, Merritt. Thank you very much. Yeah, and I I'll made it myself. Know. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, someone helped me. So he's uh, an accessory. Mm-hmm. 
And then I also got um, Last Word, which, no, I know, not Last Word, Ace of Spades. Ace of Spades, uh, okay. Which is uh, Space Robot Nathan Fillion's weapon. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very good in Crucible. Um, Blows people up when you shoot them. It, they do blow up, though. They do <laughs> blow up. It's good. I'm, I think I'm like starting to uh slow down a bit on my destiny binge because like basically this weekend i just like i just played it all weekend um and i'm like i'm hitting a bunch of exotic quests where i'm like oh my god this is gonna take like fucking forever right i have to like gather like 16 little things and combine them into other things and use those to unlock things and then do a strike that's gonna be like really difficult and like i'm just like oh (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah i'm kind of running into that a little bit with destiny myself it's just like there's a lot of stuff to do but not a lot of like reason to do it is maybe how it feels like like because it at the end of the day it seems like what you're doing is like you're i mean may, i mean the whatever that's every loot game right like right that's like when you step back and realize the hollowness of um well of essentially all human pursuits but um, this especially. Wow. You know? First nerve gas and now nihilism. And, uh... <laughs> no, but I mean, if you look at anything too closely, it becomes meaningless. But um, but certainly you don't have to look very close for a game like Destiny or Borderlands or Diablo or whatever to become right. compulsive. Um, right. And they actually did try to make Destiny 2 less addictive than the first one, right? Because they were like, uh, guys, please don't play our game so much. Right, because, like, yeah, I mean, I feel like at launch, Destiny 2 was especially that. Destiny 2 was very, felt at the time, like, get in there, beat the story, beat the raid, and you're done. Uh, You can go do something else. Which, if you look at, if you go back and, like, watch the original pitches for Destiny 1, that is, like, how they frame that game. They say, like, they, in their interviews and stuff like that, say, like, we are building a game that we expect people to come in, play 30 hours, beat the, you know, story and all that stuff. Then... uh, like in two months, three months, six months, we'll have uh, DLC for you to come back and check in with again, and then come and then leave, and then come back three months later. But then it just so happened that like that game was in development for so long, and that games changed around them, like things like Warframe and you know Fortnite wasn't out at the time, but you know what I mean when I say like like mm-hmm. live games, right? Like yeah, started happening, like hobby games, hobby games, hobby grade, as one Randy Pitchford might call them. Uh, but yeah, the, the games changed around destiny and they had to like, fuck, 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 fuck. Like our engine is not built to, uh, iterate this fast. We don't know what to do. And that kind of scare, like that kind of, uh, specter hung over them, I think up until the Taken King came out. And I think it's actually kind of repeated in destiny two, to a certain degree. Um, I think history basically just repeated itself all over again. Uh, they're better now, but I, th- I think it's like, especially when they, when vanilla destiny two launched, they made a game that was designed to be played. And then you got out and then you came back for curse of Osiris and realized, Oh, this, this DLC is nothing. And it's bad and boring. I'll come back for the next one. And then they had to go fuck, 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 fuck. Like let's put out another <laughs> $40, $50 dollar expansion. Let's put up Forsaken and do the exact same thing that we did last time. <laughs> um, but now I think I'm in that. I'm in a certain lull with that game where it's like they're doing, they are building the game. I think that they need to be building, which is like adding a lot of stuff every week and building content that builds on itself every week with the like Drifter bounties and the Weapons of Sorrow or whatever it's called, Invitations of the Nine, those kind of things. But so much of what Destiny is for me is it's getting that gear and stuff like that to build a better way to get through a raid which is like Mm -hmm. 
that very ephemeral experience like i'm not there necessarily to just like get the better guns in destiny i'm i'm there to get the better guns so that it's easier to get a crew together so we can go into the raid and experience that six hour eight hour weird horrible (laughs) nightmare that when we all come out through the other end of is so satisfying and so unlike anything else i play in video games but Mm. they haven't that that has not been the focus for a while now i feel like and it's just like "Mm, maybe destiny's not quite for me right now i guess Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That I mean, yeah, I want to do right stuff and like playing cooperative, playing cooperatively with people is uh, really fun. And I wish that there were more uh, opportunities to do that or like reasons to do that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that weren't just like oh, just match make and you'll get matched with someone who maybe knows what they're doing. Um, mm. But up in the air for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it's just like move and shoot, then pretty much you're good. But if it involves something else, then right. it's a total crapshoot. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, maybe I'm hitting that place of like, oh, why am I doing all this again? Just to accomplish the thing. But then when I have the thing, what do I do with the? Yeah, what do I do um, with the thorn once I have the what thorn? What do I do with the thorn? Yeah. I mean, the answer is shoot through like, right. like six thralls at once uh-huh. and then collect their souls to to just like chomp on which is very good um that's that's always been the thing about destiny that like i think has i think for a long time was just enough was just the fact that like shooting guns in that game feel real good yeah no it's uh, and now that i've gotten used to the movement too it's like pretty it's like oh it's halo okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's halo but my my double jump is like kind of weird um but i know how it works now so yeah it's uh and it's pretty and like Mm-hmm. And I just turned off all of the, um, I turned the music off because, and there's some parts mm. of the game where I like the music, but it's mostly just like, it's mostly just orchestral swells and that gets a little tiring after a while. So, um, basically I just put on like lo-fi beats or whatever on yeah. Spotify and, um, it's really chill. And I just like yeah. hang out in like, uh, the dreaming city or something and Yeah. I've kind of compared that like flow state that you can kind of get into in Destiny where you just you're just going around shooting things just for the sake of shooting things to like just like shooting hoops. Like it's just like it's just it's just repetitive action that is just inherently satisfying unto itself in mm. a way that I feel like a lot of games do not have. Like I think a lot of games use loot as like a stand-in for that sort of thing whereas Destiny has loot and also has that. Mm-hmm. Like like, the act of killing things in Diablo is not inherently fun, right? Like, you're just clicking sure. on stuff. And the the fun is in getting stuff that lets you kill stuff in, like, much quicker and in more novel ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I... I, I think the I think a large, uh, large part of this, too, is just, like, you, you, you are just, you know, you started playing Destiny, like, two weeks ago. And so a lot of this is still fresh and new to you. And like mm-hmm. you have a game to continue to have fun with. And whereas like I've put in 70 hours into Destiny, 80 hours right. into Destiny 2. Yeah. And it's like, I think it's just ne- me needing to remind myself every once in a while, like it's okay to be done with something after, <laughs> after 80 yeah. hours to 100 hours. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. When I was a kid, um, I used to sort of like have this fantasy of like, oh, this is going to be the game mm-hmm. that like this, I'm, I'm good now. Um, yeah. Like, Oh, like Animal Crossing. This is mm. it. Or like Fantasy Star Online. This is it. Um, and of course, that's like never the case. And that would be kind of bizarre if that were the case. Um, but I feel like it, 
I, I think the p- part of the reason why I f- fell into that and why sometimes I still kind of do is like after a certain amount of time you're like well if I stop playing this was like all that time like wasted and like it gets back to that thing of like looking too closely at, at something when it's like no I enjoyed that time so like yeah like just because I'm I'm not playing anymore when I've like you know leveled my character up this much like that doesn't mean that time was wasted like it was enjoyable does that mean it's like it's kind of like the sunk cost fallacy right like right. you don't have mm-hmm. to keep going if it's not enjoyable anymore I think part of it is just that like <sighs> Games don't want us to think that way. Games don't want mm-hmm. us to have that realization. Is <laughs> a, a big uh, issue with it. They sure like, don't. They they want you to be engaged because if you're engaged, that means that increases the chances that you will spend money on like a microtransaction and buy yourself a ghost shell or a fucking dance or whatever. Like, and that's just how games are being cr- created these days. So they're not being created with like a very natural exit point anymore. Um, and so we as adults need to just <laughs> like remind ourselves like adults that we can do other things. So I've like actually been like reading a lot more lately again. Mm, me too. I, I oh yeah. Yeah. I think we talked about that actually like last week that we had been, that you or rather you specifically had been reading some stuff. Yeah. What have uh, you been reading? I've been reading, uh, I just finished last night Ancillary Sword, which is the oh. sequel to Ancillary Justice. I've heard very good things about that series. They are cool. These books are so far. I, I read the first chapter of Ancillary Mercy, which I believe is the last in the series, last in the Imperial Ratch trilogy. Um, I started last night. Yeah, it's cool. It's like a, it's like a sci-fi series uh, about. I don't want to give too much away about it, but it's like kind of set in a universe uh in like kind of a neoliberal um like mega empire in space that is like post uh it's post-gender society so everybody just goes by she her pronouns uh regard like they don't make uh sociological distinctions between different bodies uh within the imperial ratch um but then like there are you know the second book actually ancillary sword gets into that a lot more about like how there are other societies on the fringes of this empire and stuff like that that very much still cling to different ideas and stuff like that um that are in different uh views on the world and whatnot like she's diff- like the, the main character uh breck when she's like speaking in different languages and stuff like that she has to remember okay does this language delineate between different genders again like fuck i gotta remember fuck 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 <laughs> okay, and then she accidentally fucks up somebody's pronouns and they're like what the fuck are you talking about and it's just those moments are kind of good like it's yeah it's interesting it's a cool series so far um but uh i have mixed feelings about that just uh, like conceptually because i think in the first book especially i think it like it is kind of leaning into the novelness of like ah it's a post-gender society so everybody just goes by like like one uh set of pronouns and whatnot uh whereas like i don't necessarily think that that's the the way i would like things to go but then also in i like i think like or circling back on that i think like you know more expressivity and more like you know uh more acknowledgement of like a spectrum of uh of different things is kind of the good thing but i feel like ancillary sword does a good job of establishing that like oh this society that everybody is in is not good they're like they are a colonial empire and they are exploiting the shit out of a bunch of uh, minority ethnic groups and stuff like that so like breck is like investigating all that stuff a lot more in in book two and uh i'm kind of curious to see how it finally wraps up because book two was so uh small scale by comparison Mm -hmm. it was very like much about like investigating this uh tiny little space station um 
and hinted at like a greater thing that was going on around it but now like i'm in book three and i'm like okay are we gonna get to like the big the big war the big civil war that's brewing here or what, what what's gonna happen next so yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's been interesting cool. And uh, I read uh, The Tombs of Atuan on my flight back from, uh, or no, my flight over to GDC. So I finally got around to that, which is the second Earthsea book. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, Ursula K. Le Guin. Uh, I have not read a ton of her stuff. I read a little bit of Left Hand of Darkness back in the day, and I read Wizard of Earthsea a long time ago, mm-hmm. but uh, had never really kept up. So. Yeah, I've only read um, Left Hand of Darkness, but that was like 10 years ago. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Speaking of more sci-fi about gender and <laughs> stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. No, for real. Um, I started reading uh, A Canticle for Leibowitz. Oh, okay. Do you know about that one? Um, the uh, sci-fi fiction writing class that I was in in college uh, had us read both The Left Hand of Darkness and then Canticle for Leibowitz. So, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I just got to the part of the book where like the protagonist of like the first third is just like killed um like you're just like oh okay right. uh-huh. so, and then it's like 600 years later i think so like they definitely do a dune um mm-hmm. unless i like misread something but i'm pretty sure that it's like a pretty big generational or um like centuries long time skip um and the only places that knowledge has survived are in churches basically like the church has like tried to preserve um some scraps of knowledge which are like just like grocery lists and like circuit diagrams and just like weird garbage um it's like a modern dark ages kind of yeah. thing where like the only books that exist are in you know the clergy right right yeah and um it's just gotten to the point in the book now i think i'm like about halfway through but they're just um starting to invent electricity again <laughs> um it's taken them yeah like quite a long time although i'm not sure if it's like longer than it would have been if you count since like the first time um but yeah so they're like uh, this church has like just invented electricity again um and it's very it's a very interesting book um there have there been any women characters i don't think so (laughs) the only woman character is like uh died in the nuclear war and is the wife Uh of Leibovitz um and that's basically all we've gotten (laughs) so sometimes classic reading old sci-fi is like kind of bizarre that way because I also read um the demolished man have you read this one I've never heard of this it's uh it was the first book to win the Hugo and it's about a society where telepaths exist and um so there's basically like no crime um Mm -hmm. because you know or like there's not it's kind of minority report but like they don't pre like they don't have like a police force that does that stuff but like it's very hard for someone to walk around with like murderous intent um and they do have like psychics working with the police but like there are laws about like oh you can't like you can't actually use that um as evidence like just reading someone's mind but um you can if you know that then you might actually like look for other evidence um so it's about a guy who wants to do a murder (laughs) and uh 
he the main character is just like for the first half of the book is just like a huge asshole like he's not interested like he's not appealing he's just like this businessman who is like basically wants to do a murder on his rival okay and uh does it with like and he has like all these like complex things he has to do like he gets he deliberately gets like a tune stuck in his head so that when anyone tries to read his mind they just hear that um and then the <laughs> second half of the book is like mostly this um psychic cop like trying to figure out um how he did it because like he knows that he did it um but he's trying to figure out how but it's like just very strange and also like there's never one time i don't think where um the word woman is used without pretty in front of it um so like everyone is like a pretty girl or like a pretty woman and like um, like it's just like there there's a whole subplot where like so he succeeds in murdering the his rival and um but the guy's daughter sees him do it and is like traumatized by it and so like she just becomes catatonic and the way that they like fix that is they basically like somehow like mentally regress her to like a baby but then she'll like age up again having like integrated that fact and like accepted it um in in the space of like a few weeks um but so like so basically she'll be back to normal but like she has to go through like Uh basically like having the cognition (laughs) of like a baby and like then a child and a teen um and uh the a cop character falls in love with effectively a baby and then um they decide to get married at the end of the book okay uh-huh. so okay so i was mm, yeah mm, 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 no mm-hmm. <laughs> how about how about no on that how about no on the you're on your twilight new moon ending or whatever it is <laughs> how about nah printed on him no it's um uh, it was, i mean it was an interesting book and like there were some things about it that I really liked, but, it, and I was also just like, I mean, also just like some, some of it was just like dumb. Like I was like, I hate this guy who's trying to do this murder. Like he sucks. Right. I want him to get killed or like, or demolished or whatever. And you find out what that is at the end of the book. And it turns Ooh. out that, um, because yeah, throughout the whole book, they're like, um, if we don't get this right, it's demolition for me. It's demolition for all of us. And it's like, uh-huh. so that's like what they, that's what they call like execution. It turns out that actually, no, in this society, they think that um, anyone who successfully breaks the law sh- or, like, wants to break the law shows, like, sufficient force of will or, like, cunning that it would be a waste to kill them or lock them up. So what okay. they do is they demolish them, which means that they um, destroy their um, their personality and, like, regress them to the age of, like, a baby. And then they, like re- like, regrow their personality, but, like, without... Um, malevolence I guess Uh Um, which is like very bizarre and like kind of upsetting mm. Uh, this sounds like this sounds like some very mm, you know that's one of the things that I definitely one of my favorite things to discover about like all the classical science fiction literature is that like just all the male sci-fi authors from that time were just deeply deeply horny and like just (laughs) expressing their weird fetishes in like well it's all right because it's it's the it's the art of fiction uh it's just like okay so this guy was just like deeply into age play and stuff like okay I get it like I get it like yeah you know like really um, I'm I mean, like the 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 stuff where it's like uh uh doing it on like people that are, like against their will and stuff like that. It's like eh, don't 
don't like you know i mean don't do that it's it's instead of murder or it's instead of execution i guess that's not better (laughs) super not better no Um, this book asks us to consider many important philosophical questions like is it right to erase someone's memory instead of just killing them or locking them up is that more transformative and what if a man fell in love with a woman who was mentally a baby yep that's not a good one what if you had to do a murder but it was hard to do a murder yeah uh yeah that's terrible that's yeah i don't like it that. was i it was it was like it was an okay book i yeah i'm, I'm sure like you know whatever it's it's but, like, but that part was just yeah. like oh ha, 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 yes mm, i i i assume delicious. this is from like the delicious. 70s or something right like that oh, right like no just, this is like 50s 50s yeah okay so like um, that, not that that excuses it or whatever but it, it always makes more sense in my head when i've realized that yeah like, it's like yeah, no this th- didn't come out like two months ago right um, all because like because like all sci-fi was like that for like 50 years right most like of it a lot you know? of it was this was yeah 53 um <clears throat> yeah I'm, I'm like i'm just every time i think about this i'm just thinking about like uh uh, uh do you, did you ever read foundation by isaac asimov no. Uh, there is, uh, in one of the later uh, Foundation books, there is, like, a whole thing about, um, uh, God, I don't even remember what's going on in the book exactly, but there's, like, a guy, what the main character, like, goes to some planet that's basically, like, um, space Russia, like, space Soviet Union, and he gets, like, uh, you know, they get brought in and kind of put under house arrest by, like, some like massive like russian woman or whatever and like there's just like a scene in that book where it's just like it's just like uh isaac asimov who like in one of the forwards of his books i remember at the time like admitted that he never wrote like a romance or whatever because he was just bad at it and it's just like there's just a scene where like the weird like soviet union kgb lady like uh comes into his room and just like opens up her shirt and and he just looks at it and says glorious and that's just every time i think about any like horny sci-fi author i just in my head i just i have the word glorious just appear in my mind um and i'm unable to uh shake it because it's it's just that it's just a bunch of deeply horny nerds who like also happened to be writing that stuff at a time where it was like novel and so people were like oh this is this is going to be a classic this deserves a hugo (laughs) have you ever read dune I've read the first two and a half Dune books. Yeah. Okay. So you didn't get to the one where um, there's no more Bene Gesserit. And, uh, well, no, there are still Bene Gesserit, I think. But they're enemies with this organization called the Honored Matras. Who, okay. Um, they use sex to, um, to do their stuff. To and, do magic? Uh, to do to, weird space magic? Uh, uh, sort of. Mostly to just, like, control um dudes pretty much okay and um Bene Gesserit so, did that too didn't they to some degree uh, kind of not r- really as much i don't think they were like okay. manipulators but they weren't just like taking Sex their shirt switches? off so that someone said uh, glorious um, uh-huh <laughs> so what that means is uh frank herbert has to write about sex sometimes uh-huh and it's He's very good at it um, I want to see if I can find something. I, I, be, I bet he was really good at it, right? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's so much. I really wish I could find... Um... Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. Are you finding worse things? No, I'm trying to find... 
uh, quotes or something. Um, Hank Herbert's sex quote. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Google. Uh, um, they went back to the primitive tantric and developed their own ways of sexual stimulation. Through this, they accept the worship of their followers. All right, the primitive tantric. All right, uh, that's my new. That the primitive tantric is definitely like my new, uh, my new wrestling stage name. God, one hundred percent. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could find more quotes. Uh, I'm gonna write. Frank Herbert Dune honored Matrix sex scene. Um, oh man, I like Dune. Like, don't get me wrong, but no, also Dune is, I love Dune. It's dumb Dune's as hell. Awesome. And it's very it, good. But it whips. It, it super does. Like, they ride giant worms. It's good. Um, mm, and they have the sound guns in the movie version. That's dumb. That was, they were just like, hey, this movie isn't weird enough yet. So what if we added um, a cat that you have to milk it for antidote? Right. Oh, that happened, didn't it? For poison. And also there are sound guns. And um, sound guns activated by just like shouting his wife's name. <laughs> like, it's just like, I like the idea of somebody just like shouting wife so hard. It kills somebody. <laughs> My wife. Oh, um, there's a part in, I, for, uh, I forget which book, but, um, so you don't know this because you've only read the first two, you know, Duncan Idaho. Yeah. He, um, in book, I th- want to say four, there's a time skip of like a few thousand years. Okay. And everyone's dead, obviously, except Duncan Idaho, because the god emperor, Leto II, I think second, um, has been creating clones of him, or golas as they're called, for like thousands of years. Okay. And uh, he's very, he, he kills most of them in his like rages, and then he gets another one. Um, but he's like using them to create this like breeding line of humanity that's immune to telepathy or to, um, no, to, uh, precognition. Okay. That they can't be predicted. Right. Um, Cause that's like ev- a whole thing in two. Yeah. I remember that much. Um, yep. And then eventually, yeah. So you get these honored matras and then the last Duncan Gola, um, later on in the series, uh, turns their weird sexual enslavement skills on one of them and he's like no now i have the sex powers and i am making oh. you tell me about the secrets because i'm good at sex now so uh-huh. that's um that happens um in dune yeah okay so like what if sexual dominance but but man did it what, but what if the guy well did it? it's much like at the like you know in the first dune when um it's like oh it's yeah paul he's the best benny just oh and he's also the best freeman <laughs> uh-huh. it's like super like uh fucking, he can tell the future and what's he his, can... what's, it's like very like th lawrence um like lawrence of no wait th Look. lawrence lawrence of arabia the same guy so, same guy T.E. Lawrence. T.E. Lawrence. Uh, is, the, is, the, is Lawrence of Arabia, yeah. I'm thinking of D.H. Lawrence. That's not him. I, um, I don't know who that is. <laughs> he's like a poet. But yeah, no. Yeah. Um, God, yeah, Dune, when he's like, I am the best. I'm the best like, at sex now. I'm the best woman and the best, like, Freeman. 
Like right. I am. Yeah. Um, so that does, that's sort of baked into Dune, but it's still a very good Dune is, series. I do like Dune. I, I mean, I like those first two books, two and a half books. I, I fell off in book three because I was just like, okay, kids. All right. Yeah. That's <laughs> the one where you have like that psychic toddler or whatever. Who's like a nightmare yeah. person. Yeah. Yeah. She's, um, she's an abomination. Right. And also the girl from the, yeah. Cause well, yeah, she's, she's like a psychic toddler in one. And then by that point she has become evil. She becomes the bad guy in three oh. because, because she has like a psychic imprint of Baron Harkonnen in her brain. That is like, oh, that yeah. takes over her. That was um, weird. Yeah. I wasn't a super fan of that either because it's like, there's like two women in that series and like one dies, dies during childbirth. No, there's three women in that series. There's like Paul's mom, uh, there's the woman who dies during Jessica. Char- his Jessica, yes. Bene Gesserit. Bene Jessica. Um, God, that's bad. Sorry. Um, there's the, the uh, there's Chani, uh, his wife, who dies in childbirth, I think, in two. And then he walks into the, he gets so mad that he walks into the desert because his eyes dissolve. That's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is his little sister who becomes the main villain in three. I there are more women in the later ones. I will say that. Okay, that's, that's um, and they're not all sex wizards. I will say one of the one of the coolest things about the ancillary series that I really like is just kind of like um, because they just use she/her pronouns for like literally everyone in that universe, um, except for like a couple of extremely specific instances or whatever. It is kind of interesting. I mean, I, I, this is not like a vast insight into the series because I'm sure this is exactly what Anne Leckie, the the author of the series, intended when they did this. Or whatever, it's it's very interesting to see like how many of the characters you actually because you know that they are like physio- physiologically like masculine and feminine. Like even though the book doesn't describe them as such at any point, um, you know that that those are delineations that still exist in that universe physically. Right, but. But everybody still goes by, like, she, her, or whatever. So it's, like, really interesting to see how many of the characters you actually like in, or at least me personally, uh, who I see in my head is like, oh, that's, I just picture that as a dude automatically. And then realize, mm. like, wait a minute, why am I picturing them as a dude automatically? Oh, no. Like, because it's a sci-fi book and because right. I've been trained to, to think this about specific <laughs> archetypes of characters. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's definitely a cool element of that, of that series for sure. Um, because read that next. Yeah, it's, I think you'd like it. Well, I, I like it a lot. It's it's got a very weird like pattern to it. Like the and Leckie's like style of writing is very um, can be a little bit jarring at first because it's like she uses a lot of like sec- sentence fragments and like long run on sentences and stuff like that. Like very, it's all told in first person and it can be kind of very stream of consciousnessy. Um, mm-hmm. That takes some getting used to. It took me some getting used to anyway. Maybe you're just better at reading. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Maybe you're I good don't at know book. That I am. Am I good okay. book? Good at book. Are you good at book? Um, you read more of the Dune books than me. I read those all in grad school one summer when I had a fellowship over the summer. So like I didn't have to work. And mm, um, instead mm. of researching my thesis or anything, I just read a lot. And I read all, like all 16 books and then woke up in September like, what? What happened? <laughs> Why do I know what the spice melange is? The spice must flow. Right. It's of got it. Must. That's the one thing. Are they doing a? Are they taking another stab at a movie? Yeah, like, isn't that a thing? It's gonna be oh. Buckwild. Everyone is in it. <sighs> Whoop. Um, Shoot, uh, every everyone is in it. Like name a an A lister right now, and they're probably in it. Okay, and it's what's his name? It's Annihilation slash Arrival guy. 
Or are those two different people? Those are two different people, aren't they? Directing it, I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I want to I want to say it's the guy who directed Arrival, which is not a sci-fi movie that I do not particularly love. Uh, it's going to be Buckwild. I'm not ready okay. for Dune to be a mainstream uh, franchise. Oh, God. Um, it's oh, gonna my be, God. It's going to be the worst. And not just oh my because God. I'm like, and not, I'm not just because, and probably a little bit because I'm like, I don't want everyone to like, like the thing that I like. I'm not even like a Dune super fan or anything. I just like think right. it's neat. But like, I cannot imagine the discourse that is going to happen when a Dune movie comes out. Like, it's an alien universe where, like, there are no... The thing about Dune is, like, if you haven't read it, there are no alien characters. Like, everyone is human in, like, the technical or, sense of the word. Or post-human, yeah. Yeah, or, like, they descend the, the from humans. But none of them are human in the sense that, like, we would recognize them as because they come from right. a society that is just, like completely alien like there are obviously moments where they're like you know you can recognize them as people but like their motivations and like and then also take into account that like half the characters are like demigods who are like think <laughs> their plans extend like thousands of years into the future um mm-hmm. and it's just like i don't know that i have no idea how people are going to react to it if there is a fandom i cannot imagine what it's going to look like I there's two things about this, which is a the thing about like the, the the example that I always like to point to when like I try to describe like what kind of technology level and like future level we're talking about when it comes to Dune. Not that this comes up a lot with me, but it's <laughs> but it is something that I think about a lot because I think it's like a really cool detail from those books. Is there's like a planet in that series in that universe called Ix, um, just the I X, uh, but it's where it's the Chalexalu are from, right? That goes deeper than my knowledge remembers. Okay, <laughs> I remember on. there's a planet called Ix uh, because it was like it was the ninth planet orbiting uh, a star. So it was like, oh, we'll call this like, you know, we'll call this uh, Mars 1, Mars 2, Mars 3, all the way up to 9. But then it's so far in the future that they've forgotten what Roman numerals are. So they just see like IX and they're like, oh, that planet is called Ix. But it's really just like from the olden times when it was called Planet 9. Uh, right. From outer space. Right. Uh huh. Yep. Uh huh. Uh, so Johnny Depp is going to be in this movie. Um, they're going to, you know, Tim Burton uh, on there for casting. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> think. Oh boy, that's a nightmare in and of itself to think about. Um, and the other thing I was going to say of like, I just realized as you were explaining that stuff that there is totally they're totally going to shoot for a Dune cinematic universe. Whether or not they're successful, that is totally going to be the thing that's going to happen, isn't it? There's going to be, they're going to try and, there's going to be a Dune TV series tie-in. There's going to be, like, I mean, there there's going to be at least multiple, two Dune movies. There were, like, a few miniseries, I think. I never saw any of them. I did see the movie, and it's, like, a total, like, bizarro. It's so like, strange. I don't know what happened with it. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be weird. It is going to be weird. It it's is. going to be real it weird, is. and I'm kind of excited to see. I'm kind of excited to see a fucking Dune movie with like all of these incredibly famous actors doing Dune, <laughs> because <laughs> the unlikeliness of that is like, I, I just I need to see it. I can't wait. It's like the Lynch one had uh, Patrick Stewart in it, but I think it was like pre-famous Patrick Stewart, right? Like who did he play? Even... Was he Duncan Idaho? He might have been Duncan Idaho. I think you're right. I think he was. It also had Sting in it. Sting was in it, which Sting was definitely famous at that time. He so was. There was that. 
and it had uh, uh, Kyle MacLachlan, who's awesome, but also Paul. was not famous at the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, this one's gonna have Oscar Isaac. I know that. Um, yeah, Oscar Isaac. Oh well, Oscar Isaac. Oh, so maybe this is the the Annihilation guy because Oscar. Oh, whatever. I. But I think he. I think it is the Annihilation guy because Oscar. He that director likes to work with Oscar Isaac. He's like in every one of that guy's. I movies. mean, who wouldn't? To want to yeah. work with Oscar Isaac? Yeah, who wouldn't? I'd work with Oscar Isaac. Who oh, wouldn't? Yeah. Um, Annihilation. I saw that a couple of weeks ago. Really yeah. liked it. Really liked it. It's a good movie. Um. Yeah. I've not um, seen Deus Ex. His other movie with no, Oscar me Isaac. Uh, Annihilation is cool. I have I've played Deus Ex, but only the worst one. Well, actually, no, uh, not the worst one. No, mm. not the worst one. Human Revolution isn't the worst one. It's just bad. No, it's not. Gr- it's... Human Revolution is the first <laughs> prequel reboot, right? Yeah, I think probably okay. the worst one is either Mankind Divided or Invisible War. Um, right. But with the, with the conspiracy, which is the PlayStation 2 port of the original game. Mm. Which does not run very well, as it's you can just maybe imagine. It's called the conspiracy. It's called Deus Ex: colon, The Conspiracy, oh. because because apparently console gamers really needed it laid out for them what that game was about. I guess. Wow. Huh. Yeah, it didn't. I remember it not being not not. Uh, I remember them not being able to uh, squash that game down into a PlayStation Two very well. <laughs> Mankind huh. Divided, though, is the one with the, like, Ogs Lives Matter stuff and whatnot. It's just like... Yeah. Oh. That one might actually be the worst. I've not played it. I like Super I played it for about fine. 10 minutes when it was free on PlayStation Plus, And oh. it was just so boring. Um, yeah. And, like, I was immediately, like like smacked in the face by like hey do you want to get some square bonus points oh, to buy Christ. this stuff do you want to unlock a, a bonus gun for your man his sunglasses right. will turn different colors and i was like I, what i just want to play a video game yeah that was like at the Leave height alone that was super duper at the height of that shit of like of like single player game people still trying to make single player games but just trying to shoehorn in like pre-order bonuses and stuff like that into them in ways to get you to buy early or to spend the extra on the hundred dollar version or whatever because you get like the cool grenades yeah there are five tiers of pre-order uh... it's just the worst um i feel like ubisoft has really carried that particular tour yeah the well they, they cancel i think they ended up canceling it but um god it's and then yeah it had microtransactions it had dlc it was just like god oh right human revolution was the one where there's like an entire missing chapter of that game that they then charged 15 or 20 dollars for later like if there's just in the middle of human revolution that's the one where he like gets on a boat and then like it time jumps forward two weeks and he's like wow that was some crazy shit and they're like what are you talking about i'll tell you later and then they've charged like 20 dollars for like what happened on that boat Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, that was very weird. That was super you weird. You just like wake up in some pod and you're like, oh man. Uh huh. What a night. Uh, right around the same time, I think, was uh, when that Prince of Persia reboot came out, and like the last chapter of that game, Ubisoft charged like ten dollars for the the ending of that game. Ooh, where the, like where like where like you uh, that game ends with you like unleashing the ancient evil or whatever and they're like oh no the ancient unle- evil is unleashed 
and then the game just rolls credits, and then, they, like, you know, four weeks later or whatever, they put out a $10 DLC called The Finale or The Conclusion or something like that, and it was, like, the last chapter of that game. Huh. Video, game, video games were a mistake, it turns out. Oh my god, I forgot about all this. Huh. Mm-hmm. Well, Merritt. I think that's it. I think that, I think we've, I think we've traumatized our listeners enough at this point. <laughs> In various ways, economically, like, philosophically, uh, sociologically. Yeah, all those ways. We all the, the full uh, trauma experience. Yeah, all the nerve gas talk and then like weird so like so much nerve gas. Writer sci-fi writer fetishes. Ugh. Well, then let's call it. Um, Why don't we call that, it? That'll do it for us this week on Fanwit. Um, oh. Head over to fanbyte.com for uh, more episodes of the show. If you're not listening to this on a podcatcher, and if you're not like. I don't understand your life or your choices, but I'm not judging them either. Um, also, head over to fanbuy.com for guides um, and all kinds of other stuff. Lists, features, we got everything. Today we published a piece, today, well, yesterday when this goes up, we published a piece on the history of the Digimon the movie soundtrack, which yeah. had All-Star on it before Shrek. So yeah. Pretty wild. You uh, wrote about the premiere of the new Twilight Zone. We've got a lot of, uh, we've got WrestleMania stuff this week too. So very exciting. A lot going on here, as they say. All right. Well, that'll do it for us. Uh, We will see you next week. Keep gaming, gamers. Gamers.